Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 31 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for September 2019. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, or should I call you Mr. Gaddy's himself? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mr. Uh, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you? Doing good. Good, good, good. So, obviously, guys, we want to welcome everybody to the show. Thank you for joining us. Tim, we got off to a little late start today. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, when I was setting up all the equipment this afternoon, Tim, I discovered that the networking cable that runs from my computer to my Switch apparently was malfunctioning. So, we had to run a new cable. Uh, everything's fine, but uh, it kind of caused a little bit of delay here. So, uh, thank you for holding on through that. But good, anyway, Tim. Good thing you had some uh, skills and knew how to fix it. That's exactly correct, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, of course, as we will be answering your arcade repair-related questions here on the show tonight. But before we do that, Tim, how are you doing? And why don't you give us a little update on what's been going on in your world? Uh, I'm doing good. Everything is fine. Uh, you know, school finally started back, uh, and every time you think it's going to slow down, it's like things just ramp up. We just, uh, as most people know, we got the food truck. We took it out for a trial run. We'll probably talk about that later. Uh, the fairs are coming up. We've already got it set up for one of the local fairs here. Starts tomorrow, so things have uh, while it slowed down, it got busy. So it's kind of crazy, you know. It just seems like life. It seems like every time you think, "Oh, I'm going to slow down a little bit," it got a little busier. So here's the deal. I know in other parts of the country, you may think September and think cool, but it's a oh, wow. hundred plus here today. It's hotter than ever. The right summer's now. been mild, correct? For for us. And now it's been like a hundred back-to-back days, so the grass is so, all burning up. Right, so you're going to have a food truck out in a hundred-plus degree heat. Right, unless okay. it cools down in the next few days, which maybe we'll get. They said it may get cooler, but cold for us is ninety degrees. That's you know, Eighty-five would be like a cool front, you know, coming through. But um, yeah, it's going to be different, uh, different time of year. But that's when our fairs and stuff happen around here, so. We got to do it when it ha- when when the time is. Yeah. Welcome to Texas. I was about to say October is really weird around here, Tim, because it seems like some Halloweens you're freezing, right? And other Halloweens you're just sweating, right? So it's really kind of an odd combination. Or it's torrential raining. You yes, got you kind of got three choices, you know. Well, not well enough about that, Tim. Well, somebody somebody called it sweat timber the other day, sweat timber. and I've never heard that, and that was so simple. But sweat timber in uh, Texas, right? So and actually, Tim, even with air conditioning and everything, it's still kind of warm in here. My game room used to be a garage, Tim, and so right. it does not cool as efficiently as the rest of the house, unfortunately. Um, I don't have the nice uh, insulation and things at the top. It's a vaulted ceiling. Mm-hmm. So it's a little warmer in here than it is in the rest of the house, but hopefully we can make it through the show tonight and answer some questions. So, guys, we want to thank you again for joining us. And remember, guys, you can leave us messages in the live chat. Tim, there's also a nice little dollar sign down there, I should point oh, out. Yeah. So if you guys would like to make a donation to us while we're on the air tonight, you can do that by clicking the little dollar sign and donating an amount. We would be greatly appreciated of that now tim it looks like there's been an active chat and i know we got you know obviously off to a little bit later start so we'll roll back up here and see if we've got anything here um we got a lot of hellos from youtube punk and millstar electronics and let's see who else we got here uh super nintendo zach is in here and he's got a question tim okay and we'll get to that here in a second uh, let's see. He says, I have these curved lines that appear on the edge of my Neo Geo monitor. They are not visible when the brightness is down, but they are vis- visible when there is scrolling. Is it interference? 
So, Tim, I'm going to throw uh, that to you. More, not more than likely, you have what's called a foldover or uh, something. You you're, you probably need to do a cap kit on it. Depends on what game did he say it was? He says it's a Neo Geo. That's newer, so it's probably not like a Geo 7 foldover. But, um, but, yeah, it's probably time to rebuild your monitor, and that should take care of that, especially if it won't adjust out. Right. And he said start scrolling and stuff. That's really letting me know that it's, it's having some issues there. And, you know, I think YouTube Punk said it too, Zach. What you want to make sure is if you've got a video of it, upload to YouTube and share it with us. Right. Or send it to us in an email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com so we can check it out. Tim, typically when we have vertical foldover, we'll see it uh, when we adjust the hold. We'll see it sometimes when, you know, when we adjust it down, we will have those lines. Right. When we adjust the other way, we won't, something like that. So if that's the case, then you possibly could have an issue with a cap like Tim mentioned. Or it could be flyback issues. There's other things as well sometimes you have to turn down if you've got like what we call like sort of like a jail bar look or roster lines uh-huh. you have to turn down the brightness on the flyback and then turn up the brightness on your chassis and that's a lot of times something that will uh, will affect that as well so it really depends on what we're talking about when we're talking about those lines right right so there we go let me go through here who else do we have here tonight let's see let's see uh geek let's see uh, Geek Light 08, good evening, good evening. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, 19K Fox, he says, what's up, Tim? Hello. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going through here. Trailer Vert says, holy heck, 65 here in Maine right now. So 65 <laughs> sounds absolutely wonderful. That's like a Texas winter. That's like <laughs> January here. That's exactly 65 right. is Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Uh, James F. Got Correa says, do a barrel roll. There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> obviously a, a Star Fox, right? Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Answering questions now. Don't miss it. We are answering questions now. Now, it looks like we've caught up to the live chat here, Tim. I appreciate what you guys do. Sitting back and enjoying. This is from Detroit Retro Gamer, Tim. Right. So we want to thank all of you guys for being here because it's awesome having you all here tonight for this. Because, Tim, you know what they could be doing? Right. Watching what? NFL? Well, it's not on yet. No, it's not. Okay. We're the pregame. Right. We're the... Uh, everybody... Pre-games are overrated. They'd rather watch this. <laughs> there you go. We might talk Let about the game Let us be your pre-game up, NFL. Speaking of the after show, Tim, I think we will talk some NFL in the after yeah. show. But we got a long time till we get to that. So let us continue on with some questions. And the first one we have here, Tim, is from John. John says, I would like to completely eliminate the old power supply in my Pac-Man upright arcade game. By eliminate it, I want it completely gone from the cabinet. What will I need to do... To do this, I am assuming a newer power supply and harnesses. Is this possible? Regards, John. So, Tim, we have John here, and he's got a Pac-Man, just a standard Pac-Man uh-huh. cabinet, but he wants to eliminate that old power supply completely, like right. literally pull it out. And, guys, a lot of times we don't advocate that on Pac-Man because I believe the coin door lights run off of that old power supply. Right, Tim? Yeah, they do, but, you know, we have done it before. Right, you just uh, have to... One of the things you have to be mindful of is that the coin door lights... You may have to change them out for something that uses DC voltage, right? Right. And so, um, one thing that we're... First of all, if we answer the question, yes, of course it's possible. In fact, uh, we tend to have done it more in a cocktail cabinet than the upright. Sure. Um, because, uh, but but he's right. Yes, you can completely throw everything out. You can start all over from scratch. And um, remember when Bob Roberts used to sell a complete kit? And it had the whole bottom, yes. and we've had like bottomed out Pac-Man that we've done that before, because a lot of times the bottom of the cabinet was damaged. So I can't think of that instance where bottom of the cabinet was damaged, and we just took everything out of there and started over, built a new bottom, then we put a power supply in. 
Um, you can use the current wiring, but if you're going to go this far, you might as well just get a new wiring harness and everything. Uh, you'll basically hook up the uh, 7 volts AC to the 5 volts DC of your power supply and the 12 volts AC to the 12 volts DC, and it will work that way. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's not, not anything way out there. Just where you have your 7 uh, AC, you're just going to hook it up to your 5 volts DC, but it will work. Now, something to keep in mind, Tim, is that make sure that you remove the power supply and not the isolation transformer. Right. A lot of times they sit right next to each other. But the power they supply... know the difference. Exactly. The power supply is going off to your board. The isolation transformer is going off to your monitor. I'm ne I don't think I've seen Pac-Man cabinets where the two have been com combined into one unit. But we have seen power bricks where they have both of them combined. So you have power supply on one side of the unit, and then you actually have isolation transformer on the other. Yeah. But not for normally Pac-Man. Pac exactly. Pac-Man's usually they're separate out. So all you have to do is pluck the power supply brick, and then like Tim mentioned... 7 volts AC to 5 volts DC, 12 volts AC, 12 volts DC should get you on the right track. If your wiring is pretty good and you just want to save some time, that's one easy... Like, we have done that. When a power supply has failed, we've just put a, a switcher in there and we've hooked it up with the same wiring. And that does save a little bit of time. Um, that shouldn't be a big problem. Exactly. So let me go ahead and throw this up here, Tim, so he knows... Yes, you will definitely need a switching power supply to perform this conversion. If your current harness is in decent shape, it may be possible to use it. But, Tim, we have to remember, how old are these harnesses now? 1981? Yeah, so they're getting... They're older than, all the most, older than you, They're older John. than me. <laughs> that is correct. So, with Not that in mind, me, it so. may be a good idea to replace it like Tim mentioned. Uh, it's easier to work with. Because you got to remember, over time, those wires become very brittle, right, Tim? Right. So Just it, like you had a network cable that's not even five years old, probably, that went bad. They so. don't make them like they used to. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, true. But yeah, the, the wiring does become brittle over time, and so that's something to keep in mind. Might need DC bulbs for the coin lights, though, because lots of lots of Pac-Mans use what they use, Tim. I'm not even sure which bulb they use for the front. Is Gosh. It, is it 7-volt AC or is it 12-volt AC? It's one of the other. Most of them are like a screw-in bulb. I think if the DC wires would work to it, but right. they're just not going to light it up like you bright, like you need it. So you could switch those out with some wedge-style bulbs pretty easily. Sure. Uh, on this conversion, you basically change, like Tim mentioned, the 7 volts AC to the 5 volts DC, 12 volts AC, 12 volts DC. Mike's Arcade has the AC and DC pinouts for Pac-Man listed on their websites for reference. Tim, we have the link there. We also have it down below in the show description. Also, see Bob Roberts' Pac-Man switcher page, Tim, where he actually talks a lot about how installing a switcher in a Pac-Man kind of works. Now, right. he made, at one time, he was selling adapters to do that, but he does a really good job of explaining how those adapters work, which will okay. give you a better understanding of how Yeah, you can follow that kind of as a guide, and that will really walk you through it. Absolutely. So, John, hopefully it answers your question, and good luck installing a switching power supply and removing the old power supply in your Pac-Man cabinet. Okay, Tim, let us come over here real quick. Uh, let's see. Calico Gunfighters. I have a video of my Jurassic Park Lost World that shows what the guns are doing, if that'll help. Okay, so we're going to get to your question here in a minute. Uh, okay. We have somebody... I think he's the one that sum submitted the issue about the Jurassic Park Lost World. Right. So we're going to get to that here in just a bit. Um, 19K Fox, this is his NFL pregame. Yeah. There you go. So what, who's even playing tonight? Is it um, it's the Bears Packers and, and the Bears? Pairs. Yeah, Packers, Packers and Bears. Bears. Yeah. There you go. Or, or Pairs and Backers or yeah. whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. So uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers versus everybody else. That's exactly correct. So um, Super Nintendo Zach, Zach says, I'm selling uh, a ton ornament snow cones here in DFWs. Uh, a ton of I don't oh, know, yeah. snow cones. Yes. So snow cone business here in, in Texas is very good almost year-round. Yes. So you can make money all the time. 
It's funny you said that. I think I have a. If yours is shaved ice, like the um, Bahama Bucks here place. Yes. I'm, I've spent so much money in that place. Bahama Bucks is, Bucks is awesome. It's like... But they don't give like, us any money, so don't talk about me. Right? I know, man. But it's like snow ice cream. It's it really is. It's good. very good. Bahama Bucks. If you haven't had it before, look it up. It's really wow. good. Uh, Millstar Electronics. Time for questions and answers. Asking uh, for questions. To, uh, let's see. Till, appreciate it for us. Um, YouTube Punk, can you briefly explain what's on, what an isolation transformer does? Well, it cleans up the AC. Um, it keeps it from voltage from spiking, too. Um, it it, it kind of controls the AC. It's like a filter. Right. Um, your AC, and it's not such a big deal today. And uh, let's see if I can explain this technically. And but but in the old old days, you had like radios. A lot of stuff would cause interference. Everything that isolate it isolates the and cleans through the AC. It keeps it from spiking way up. Um, maybe explain it for those of you that live in near Texas or know what our heat is like. Sometimes you'll get those power fluctuations, like when your air conditioner kicks on, all your lights will go dim. That's really bad, really hard on a monitor. And an isolation transformer, uh, Bob Roberts talks a lot about it on his page. He does have a nice article about isolation so transformers. So we, we refer it. to him a lot because we learn so much from reading that. You might go back, and I have to refresh my, my memory myself, but I know that it helps keep that constant uh, flow of 120 or whatever, and it keeps it from bouncing too high and too low and causing some... Because you wouldn't want your monitor to be going bright and dim, bright and dim, and doing stuff like that. That's kind of what it does. So, so in now, a I would link to that, but unfortunately, you know, obviously, I'd have to take a, a time from the show. Usually, Louie would be here to do that. Yeah. But as you guys know, like, Louie lives on the, the East Coast, right. right? And right now, he's getting ready for a tornado, or tornado, hurricane to hit. Right. And so, we want to keep Louie in our thoughts and prayers at this time because they're, like you said, batting down the hatches there. They yeah. Are, they are putting everything down. So, Louie, if you're watching this later... We hope you're okay, and uh, you know. But you know, it's it's a I hope good. Everything's okay there in the East Coast. And we'll probably right. talk about. You know, I watch a lot of murder mysteries and stuff. And somebody posted, you know, it's kind of a good time if you want to. If you're a sewer killer, you can go to the store and buy duct tape and rope and stuff, and nobody thinks anything about it. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, you know, so you can kind of kind of a good time for the serial killers to stock up on their duct tape and supplies. Anyway, just a, a, an extra side note there. There but, we go. Okay. But no, we we don't take hurricanes are n- no joke, and there's and this one has been really strange. Yes, it's like just stuck in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. and uh, it's done a lot of damage there. So thoughts and prayers with those folks, and hope that if you're in the path, uh, that you are stay safe, and hopefully it will really depress and and go away soon. Absolutely. So. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Uh, James says, I need your help. I'm about to make one of the most important choices in my life, my XFL team. Okay, we'll talk ah, about that in the after show. Okay. XFL teams in the after show, James. Hang on for that. Uh, an isolation transformer is a transformer with no friends. Yes. <laughs> He's kind of isolated. He's off to himself. There you go. Yeah, you, uh, Bob Roberts has a uh, YouTube pump. Bob Roberts has a great great description of isolation transformers and what they do if you just look up transformers bob roberts you'll find it uh we've linked to it before but i i can't find it right now so there you go uh let's see oh may the force be with you louis from youtube punk yes may the force be with you hope everything's okay there on the east coast so okay (laughs) oh there you go good time for serial killers to get surprised there tim so as you said that's from james so i think you're Uh definitely correct there i think we're caught up we're caught up on the live chat so let us continue on here with Nick. <coughs> and Nick, I think, is in the, um, chat room. in the chat room. Okay. Right. So he said he had a video of what it was doing. 
I don't think I think he was pretty descriptive here, Nick. I don't think I need to watch a video because I, I really have I, I understand this problem all too well. I was about to say Tim has had a couple of Sega Light Gun games over the years, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking you've got some experience in this particular area. Yeah, right? in fact, the Jurassic Park that it, that he has, we've had that same game. So there we go. Hello, I just picked up a Sega Jurassic Park Lost World arcade. I was able to get it to power up and run, which is awesome. But sadly, when I went to play it, the guns are moving everywhere that I'm not pointing the gun. I tried to do calibration from the test menu, and even then, the dot that shows where the game is pointing is constantly moving all over the screen. My aim is steady and not moving, but the mark is doing a jig. I have seen on a forum that someone had the same issue and purchased a lens holder from HAP and it fixed it due to the black lens being scratched. Mm -hmm. My lens is also scratched and I wanted to get your opinion on if you believe that just replacing the black lens would fix the problem. Hopefully that's all it needs being that the sensor is around $260 and the lens is around $26. Thank you in advance. Okay, Tim, so we have Nick here, and he's got a Jurassic Park Lost World, and he's got his guns, he's aiming them at the screen, and the little reticles going yeah, blah, 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 all over the place. Right, exactly. So it's very he's common. Thinking, he's thinking it's probably the lens. What do you think? Uh, it could be the fact that it is scratched is a, a good indicator. It's kind of a tough, tough one, Nick, because um, it's worth a shot. That's right. what I would say. A lot of times, it's the whole board or the board. And the I have board. the opto board, which is attached to it. Correct. Um, so, uh, what you could do is touch up the solder on your board and make sure that it's just not something that is solid and everything. But, he's right. The lens is not, it's not just a lens. It is a optic sensor and so forth. If, it can, if you can get it, I would try it first. It's kind of like... A lot of times we say there's a problem with your monitor. Well, it's easier to try a cap kit than it is just to replace a whole monitor because it is the cheaper of the two fixes. Sure. Having said that, this is why we say a lot of times that a Sega game is a four-letter word um, <laughs> because of that. But a lot of times you can find these parts used. I should. I would also try uh, other avenues like Twisted Quarter and places like that. Even HAP controls. I don't know where he got the price, Nick. Where did you I get a price of that? I think it was from HAP directly. Because he does say HAP in there. Uh-huh. Um, or on one of, uh, I think he, I think the price he was looking at was the HAP price because I also looked at the HAP price. And that's yeah, it's pretty expensive. Uh, HAP, you got to remember, if you're buying direct from HAP, that's the most expensive that part is because HAP uses basically MSRP for it. Right. Manufacturer's suggested retail price. So if you go through a distributor, distributors typically purchase the parts in bulk lots which means they can get the price down a bit. Which right. is why going with like Cointech or Twisted Quarter or somewhere like that, you may get a little bit better price. Right. Or just try an eBay or something because uh, one thing is they're not selling a ton of those either. No. So some of your local your distributors like Moss Distributing, who was a Sega parts dealer, uh, may have some. He old... did say HAP. He said okay. HAP and eBay is what he was looking at. Yeah, so I would try, try write this down. Moss, M-O-S-S Distributing, if they're still around. Um, they are. Even Betson or somebody, and just say, "Look, you know, I'm, you're probably the only person that's called about that part, and they got three dusty ones sitting on the shelf. Ask them what they take less for it, and you'd be surprised. Sometimes, I mean, what are they going to do with it? So, but the lens is definitely worth a shot. There you go. So, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here real quick, so that way we can kind of sum- summarize it for Nick. But do you have something else? Yeah, I've, well, I've had a lot of luck both ways. It's kind of like. 
And why that part is that expensive drives me crazy, too. That's why we call Sega a four-letter word game. Sega, Sega game parts are expensive. Yeah. They just are. I've noticed that. I mean, and, and Tim, I liked your recommendation. That's something I didn't put on the slide, of touching up the solder on the optical sensor. Yes. Because, I mean, those guns, obviously guns get shaken a lot here. Tim, I'm going to bring it back here for a sec. Obviously guns get shaken a lot here. Pull out that gun right there. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, we have a light gun here. But a lot of times, you know, kids are shaking on these things. They're beating on them. And so a lot of times the sensors on the inside will get busted up too. Yeah. And so you may want to touch up the solder on it just to make sure it's making a good connection to that sensor board. Yeah, that right inside that gun, there's that little board. You can see it on that, that slide. Yeah, I was about to say, I'll throw it back up the slide. And um, so right there is that. Right at the end of the gun. At the end of the gun is that board. Make sure your connections are good there, that your wire pins, all that is fine. You can uh, do some... Um, at the end of that long harness is a Molex connector, and there's a Molex there. I would check each one of them because e any wire break is going to cause an issue. Um, you should have two guns, right, Nick? And both of them do that. Uh, or yeah, just one. It sounded like both. He's about. I'm sure he'll chime in here. Yeah, too. since you're here. It sounded here, like Nick. both were doing it, but we'll see what he says here in a second. Um, if it was both, would that lead you to a different conclusion? Now, now yeah. If well, not necessarily, because both of them could have taken a beating over time. Right. Um, but it is an experience. So he did try the lens, and there was no luck with that. Okay. He does say that. So okay. we've tried the lens at this point. So, I mean, at this point, we're really looking to replace well, the sensor. Check well, the, check the wiring. And you know what I mean? Like, where it plugs into that sensor. Then you got another Molex plug down at the end. And check all your wires. One wire off can really throw that thing and make it do some crazy stuff like that. I have seen that many times more than that actual sensor board. And I've seen plenty of both. Okay. So, check all your wiring first, Nick, before you order that expensive part. Um, that's where I would go. And the fact that both guns are doing this, that's I could really see some wiring. Now, refresh my memory, Nick. I think those both go to a separate board, too, that could that can control. I don't know if they go straight to the main board. I think there's an I.O. board in there, and that board can have some bad chips and stuff on it that can cause that. And that's something that you can replace those couple of chips on there, and sometimes that will cure your problem it may, I would check that wiring, uh, I would check that wiring, and I wish that somebody near you or something, you had another game, you could actually test that sensor in before you order one, but you may ask Cap, look, if I get it and it's not, uh, the sensor, would you let me re refund it, and they might. Yeah. So, so there at least you you're only out some shipping. Okay, sounds good here, Tim. Uh, let's go ahead and throw this up here. Now, this doesn't include some of the stuff that you already talked about, but yes, it is possible that the scratch lens could be causing the sporadic gun aiming issues. It's definitely worth a shot, and Tim, it sounds like Nick tried that, so obviously that's not causing the problem. Tim, we have a whole post and video on troubleshooting light gun issues where we talk about a lot of stuff, so uh, Nick, you may want to check that out. Now, Tim mentioned two things in, in particular, making sure the solder is touched up on the opt optical sensor on the gun, making sure that all of the wires are making a good connection, and Tim, you can check that with your continuity test on your multimeter. And then also making sure that where the guns plug in on Jurassic Park board, if there's any chips, you may want to check that those are working properly. Because if, if both they, guns are doing it, it could be that part of the I board. think that one plugs straight into the main board, but there's two chips. If it does, there's two chips right underneath it that can go bad. Okay, so it could be either one of those could chips. Could be those chips or, uh, or switch the chips around if you got a working gun. 
Slice says, that, Nick, you got a two-gun game. Is one of the guns working or both guns He's doing He's saying this? they're both doing it. Yeah. So. See, that's where I'm... Then I'm going back to my wiring. My voltage will affect it. It has to have uh, five volts up there. Uh, so a lot of things else can affect it, so, not just that board. So maybe check the voltage at the optical sensor board. Yes. And then make sure that you're getting five volts or whatever yes, it requires. I think it's five. five. Okay. So that, yeah, obviously low voltage can affect that as well. So that could be something. If it's getting low voltage, you may get spread of gaming as well. All right. Turn the bright. You need to watch our video on uh, that. The because light gun issues. Even sometimes just turn up the brightness, it'll start working. It may not be sensor related at all. Sounds good. Now, I did say, like kind of like what you said, Tim, the optical sensor boards are expensive, $260. Yeah. Sega parts in general are expensive, right. like we talked about. You might try contacting a HAP parts distributor, Tim. Twisted Quarter is one that we've recommended in the past. I looked up Twisted Quarter. They have it for 230 So okay. that will save you 30 bucks. Yeah, 30 bucks is a quite right. a difference. Over the, the HAP pricing, because with HAP, you're going to pay 260 plus shipping. I think the shipping is going to be lower at Twisted Quarter as well. Okay. And there's actually a link down below where um, I did a search on Twisted Quarter for Sega parts, Nick. So if you want to click that link, you'll get a listing of all the parts on their website. So, But I think you've given them some really good things to look over here, Tim, on the Jurassic Park. Hopefully one of those things will solve it. Please keep us updated, Nick, on if you try some of these things, how it works out for you. And if you end up solving the issue, let us know as well so we can update everybody else. One more thing. Keep in mind that that type sensor is used on a lot of Sega games, not just gun games like uh, Brave Firefighter. Uh-huh. Use that same sensor and some other ones. So when you're looking on eBay, you might look at some different options like Don't that. Don't have don't yeah, have to look for just Jurassic Just Park, that gun, Park, yeah. Right. Okay, good. that might help you. So, Nick, hopefully answers your question. If you have any other comments or anything, feel free to leave them in the live chat as we continue on here with the show and keep us updated on your progress. Okay, Tim, looks like we have one from Danny here. He said, bought a cruising world since your last show in need a modder, so I hooked up a flat screen. I can hear the game playing, but no picture. Could it be a bad ROM? Or could, could it be a, a ROM bad? Don't know much about it. So here's the deal, Danny. A lot of times when um, we're getting playing blind, a lot of times that's a monitor issue, right, Tim? Right. Now, there is an outside chance that you could have a board issue with it, but, I mean, the vast majority of times, Tim, I think we've seen that it's more of a monitor issue, right? Right, but he put a an LCD in there, right? Correct. Yeah, he says he hooked up a flat screen. Okay. You can hear the game playing, but no picture. And this is on a... Cruising World. Cruising World. Um, you may just have it not, not hooked up correctly. Right. And, and it's because if you're hearing everything and seeing everything, um, maybe even an input on your monitor is wrong. Well, Did you get an arcade monitor? or Right, and like, so I don't know about Cruising World if it has a VGA out. I'm not for sure, Tim. I'd have to look at it because it's been a while since I've seen, I've looked in one. But if it has a VGA oh. out on it, yeah, even though it has a VGA a out, it may not be 31 kilohertz signal coming out. It may be 15 kilohertz. And if you have an LCD that doesn't support 15 kilohertz, you may not get anything on the screen. Yeah, you may just need a converter. Right. So you may need a converter board, and act, and, and in which case to actually hook it up properly. Which, Tim, you can get them for about $30. There's a Gombas one that you can do that'll you know do it like we talked about. Or you can buy an LCD, which we prefer, buy a commercial quality LCD that's ready to go. Uh, but very rarely when we see playing blind, is it a problem with the board? Right. It so, can be. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. It's about, what, 10 15% problem with the board, 90 to 85% problem with the monitor. Right. When we've seen this. Well, your, your monitor definitely probably has a VGA out. So you could hook up a computer or something to it and see if your monitor works. Right. I mean, it's possible that you get a bad monitor. But more than likely not. Then my question to Danny would be, did you buy an arcade 
monitor or is this an LCD like you get at Walmart right. or something? And how are you hooking it up? Are you hooking it up through the converter board already? Are you... Uh, sometimes the converter boards, Tim, you have to tweak them a little bit in order to get them to work. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the if uh, you have a converter board and it boots up, but then you don't see the game, a lot of times it's because you have to tweak something or you did not hook up something correctly to the converter board. We've seen that quite a bit. So, and um, Chris just says has to have a converter, and I'm pretty sure he's right. Yeah. I think you have to have a converter for this. So, if you don't have a converter, you will need a converter in order to make it work with the LCD. So, Danny, if you want to update us though, let, give us a little bit more details, then uh, let us know, and we'll continue on from there. So, <coughs> excuse me, Tim. Bless you. You know, kids go back to school. I get a little bit of cold. Right, you know, I, of I mean, course. This works every time. So, anyway, guys, let us continue on here with the next question from James. Here we go, Tim. Hey, I've been poking around trying to find some help diagnosing my cap. I just started collecting arcade machines for fun, and every day I'm learning a little more. But I am a novice at this hobby. I only started a few weeks ago. Could you point me in the right direction? Possibly. This is what I get. No sound, still image. Now, Tim, he's not saying what game this is. Right. I have no idea. Okay. All we have right now is a picture of the board, uh, or of a picture of part of the inside of the cabinet here, and then the monitor. But based on those things, no sound, too. We know that. And it's just a still image. Based on those things, what do you think is going on with James's game? Well, James is pretty new, but if he'd been watching us for years, everybody that's been following us for a long time, we're going to always start at power, use the ASAP approach, ASAP, always start at power. So you want to make sure that the power from your power supply is getting, because if it's not correct, your board will do weird stuff, won't work, but it looks like you have a board problem. If your power is correct and your screen is frozen, the game is actually not playing at all. You're getting no sound. There's the image is still. It's probably not your monitor. It probably is your game board. So that's where we would go for troubleshooting. And unfortunately, Tim, he didn't tell us what game he had. Right. If he told us what game, we may be able to troubleshoot the game board a little bit more. But with just the limited knowledge that we have, we really don't know if this is an older game, a newer game, or where it falls in the I'm spectrum. looking at the picture and guessing kind of an older game, but I yeah. can't really, see, really really tell. Hard to tell. So, But like you said, Tim, we always start at power on issues like these. So it looks like you might be experiencing an issue with your game board, James. With that said, always important to start at power. Make sure your board is getting the correct voltage. Check your power supply with a multimeter and adjust it as necessary to fit the needs of your cabinet and board. You can also try some of the tips, Tim, on our posting video on inspecting an arcade board, Tim. Beyond that, we have several board-level repair experts listed on the resources page under board PCB repair and component sales. And, Tim, our resources page is at arcaderepairtips.com resources. And we have a list of all sorts of links of places you can go uh, in this particular instance to get PCB help. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you want to do, uh, you can try contacting one of them to see if they'll help you with your board. If you tell us what kind of board you have, we may be able to help you troubleshoot it, Tim. Because we are, I mean, we have some general knowledge about several different arcade boards. Pac-Man we're pretty good with. There's a lot of them. So if there's a, if whatever your particular board is, we may have some knowledge that can help you fix it beyond just checking the power and doing some inspecting. Uh, so, but let us know and we'll try to help you out further. Tim, anything else for James before we move on? No, uh, just a lot of times when you send in a question, make sure to tell us what type of game again like it is. But James, we look forward to hearing back from you. Name and game. Yeah. Need mm-hmm. the name and the game. So, and uh, pictures do help. Uh, do. Videos are better. Uh, if you load a, if you want to send us a video, upload it to YouTube first, send us the link. Okay, I mean, you can send us the video, but a lot of times, uh, sometimes our, our spam filter will block that, Tim, mm-hmm. because, you know, how videos are, they can be, you know, right. infected, so it, it wants to be extra 
extra cautious with sure. us. So, with that in mind, upload to YouTube. Send us the link. We'll check it out. But um, if you have anything else, James, for us, let us know. If you let us know what game it is, we may be able to help you troubleshoot further. But make sure you're getting good power to that board and let us know where you are at that point. Okay, Tim, it looks like we have an update from Danny here. He says, flat screen with converter just to test, but didn't know if it had video ROM because it doesn't have a hard drive or maybe a wiring issue. Tim, I was thinking Cruising World used a hard drive. Am I wrong? Man, yeah, I think so. You're right. What about Cruising USA? No. Um, No, Cruising USA didn't. I'm not sure about World then. World may have been standalone. Somebody probably knows in the chat room. It's been so long since I've worked on a World... I don't yeah, because you had it, USA's for a long time. Yeah, USA's I don't know if it, I don't think it did. Okay, so it did not have a hard drive? It doesn't, I don't remember it having a hard drive. Okay. So, I mean, it may may not, hard to tell at this point, but um, if, it, if it does have a hard drive and it's missing it, obviously you'd have issues with no display. We've seen that mm-hmm. before with games like Area 51, Tim. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. But anyway. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Chris says, he says, set your, let's see, Clamp ST to three, your clamp ST to four on the converter. Okay, Chris was given um, some help there. Right. Thank to, you, Chris. Yeah, to Danny on the converter board. Uh, let's see, um, flat screen with converter, uh, but he doesn't have the hard drive. Maybe a wiring issue. Could be a wiring issue, Tim. It is very easy to hook those converter boards up incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Very easy. In fact, um, we've done it several times. Mm-hmm. Had to kind of play with it. Make sure that you're hooking it up com- correctly, and you sometimes have to tweak them in order to get them to work properly. So, and Chris says, no, it does not have a hard drive tab. So you're right. right. I don't so, think it is. Yeah. It says uh, you can change. Oh, it says um, Cruising USA and World, you can change directly in the cap, he says. Okay. So that is from Chris. So, Chris, thank you for that as well. Um, Florida Retro Repair says, can you use the chests of a 19 inch monitor for a 25 inch tube? No. No. Um, it will display improperly. Um, we thought about that because, Tim, there's a. Um, there's one that's pretty common, a seven K seven thousand. A lot of people don't realize right. they made a nineteen and a twenty five. But if you take the nineteen inch and put it on the twenty five, well, no moss. So <laughs> it does work. not work. So, uh, but um, you know, you, it, it is something unfortunately that you can't do. It doesn't display properly. Not to say it won't work. Right. But you've probably seen that game at auction that it ha- it's like the screen was smaller right. than mm-hmm. it should have been. That may have been the case with that particular monitor mm, at maybe. the auction. So there you go. So, okay, cool. I think we're caught up here. Well, we, we bought it anyway. Didn't we? Nah, we bought it anyway because it's the auction. That is correct. Hey, that game's not working. I can fix that, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So, Okay, Tim, let us move on here to a question from Chris. He says, hello, I found your YouTube page for arcade machine repairs and hope you could potentially offer some free advice for my issue. My parents bought an arcade machine a few years ago as a gift to my dad, and it worked absolutely fine. It plays various games such as Pac-Man, Frogger, Space Invaders, etc. The machine itself was produced by Mid-Leisure Games, a UK, a UK company, I believe, and it is called Arcade Classics 2 when it boots up. The machine has laid dormant for over just over a year. Now when it boots up, the screen works fine as I can see the company's flash screen logo while the loading bar fills up. Whilst this is happening, the counter inside the coin door, uh, drop door is clicking constantly. You can see the numbers inside are cycling through at a rapid pace. When the loading bar completes, I get a bio screen that gives me basic information about the machine, software, but at the bottom of the screen I had the following error, invalid boot pick. Googling this error has yielded zero results as it appears that mid-leisure games has dissolved many years ago. I wonder if you have advice for me in terms of doing a self-repair. I work in IT and had a look in the back of the cabinet. The error to me suggests it might be an issue with the compact flash game card inside. I pulled the compact flash card out, put it back in, but this didn't help. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time. Kind regards, Chris. 
So he sent a mouthful there, Tim. But yeah. basically what it comes down to is that it sounds like his parents bought this multicade from some UK company that has now since gone out of business. Right. Okay, but the problem is that it's not booting up now. Okay. Now he mentions that's going to like a boot type screen, which to me makes it sound like it's PC based. I, I imagine it's PC based by that description, especially right. in so, a compact flash drive. Exactly. So a lot of times with PC based uh, hardware, Tim, we have problems with CMOS batteries. Yeah. And so this would be something. A lot of times a game will not boot properly unless the CMOS battery is good. And so if this cabinet does have a CMOS battery, check the voltage on it, see if it's good, because that is something that we've seen. Uh, as far as troubleshooting these in the past. Now, he didn't send any picks, Tim, so picks would have really helped as well because then we could mm-hmm. tell if it was PC-based or not, obviously. Uh, but if you have any picks, of course, Chris, you know, let us know. That would help us troubleshoot it a lot. But, Tim, you know, the fastest way to get this working may be just to install a multi-cade board in the cabinet. Maybe so, since especially it doesn't... It sounds like like it was a generic cabinet anyway that had been converted to a multi-cade. And since this hardware, we don't know how old the hardware is. We have no idea if if we can get it working again. It may just be easier to... I, you know, hook hook up a multi-cade board, even if you have to rewire the cabinet. Because here's the deal: you know your monitor's working because we're right. getting a screen. Okay, more than likely your controls are working. Controls just don't go bad that often. So even if you have to rewire the cabinet JAMA, it's not a bad process, and you could buy an off-the-shelf multi-cade board and convert it rather quickly to a 16-in-one or a Game Elf or something like that. Right, and because so, even if you just replace the CMOS battery, that doesn't mean it's going to work right away. That's then you correct. still got to go. Who knows what you the settings are? You may have to do are. some settings, correct. And they could be very detailed or they could be very simple. And so just replacing the battery long, then you're going to have to go back in and tell it which, where to boot up first and all this kind of stuff. So you're right. That'd be worth a try because it's cheap to buy a battery and put it in there. If that doesn't fix it, that's what we would recommend. Just take the PC out these days. Why have that much... Uh, a big PC in there when you can just have a, a simple board. Right, and that we all know... It. It's not that expensive. Exactly. All the multi-cade boards run $100 or less, typically, Tim, depending on which one you want. There are ones that run more than that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you can get game elves for around 100 bucks or less. You can get 60 in ones for like 50 bucks or less. Right. So, I mean, you can easily do a conversion to one of those and not have to worry as much about that setup that's in there now. So, Tim, let's go ahead and show this. So we couldn't find much about the Mid-Leisure Games or their Arcade Classics 2 cabinet. Based on your description, it sounds like it's a PC-based cabinet. It's common for the CMOS battery to fail, causing boot issues like this. So make sure you check it if it has one. Uh, Picks of the cabinet would absolutely help us troubleshoot it, Chris. So if you have any of those, please send them over. Other than that, you might be better off replacing the computer with a multi-cade board, considering the monitoring controls are probably working. This may require some rewiring of the cabinet, because Tim... More, if they're using a PC-based system, there's no guarantee that it's JAMA right now. Right. Because a lot of times they'll use a, an iPad or something to that effect, a keyboard encoder. And so you may have to convert it to JAMA in order to do it. It's not hard to do. We have a whole video on wiring, on wiring using the JAMA standard that you can watch that will help you walk through it. But here's the things we know. We know you have a working monitor. You probably have working controls. So, I mean, even if you have to put a power supply in there, Tim... Power supply, 16-in-1 board, JAMA harness, you're out less than 100 bucks to get it back up and running. Right. So, now, Tim, 16-in-1, if it's a vertical cabinet 
or uh, if you're looking for a horizontal one, you may want to go with the Game Elf board. Considering it played Donkey Kong and Pac-Man, probably it's probably a vertical, vertical cabinet, so a 61 board would be a perfect candidate for this setup. So, Tim, I think that about wraps it up for Chris here. Any other advice you'd give him before we move on? No, I think we've covered that one pretty good. But uh, if he has more questions, please be sure and ask. Yeah. And, and, and it's unfortunately, Tim, though, a lot of places go out of business. Like, you buy a multicade from somebody, they go out of business, and then you can't get support for it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so it just happens. But, you know, there are options out there to you if you want to go that route. So... And let's see, Michael says 61 time for that one. And I agree. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like I said, less than $100, even if you had the power, the power supply and the jam harness, you'd be right back in business. So there we go. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's continue on. I don't see anything else in the live chat, Tim. So we will move on to Daniel. I've recently come across an opportunity to grab an upright cabinet for my favorite arcade game, Area 51. Now, Tim, I don't know if this is a part of that whole storming Area 51 thing. Is, yeah. that, is that a separate thing? I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh, okay, anyway. I don't think so. Okay, there you go. The kicker is... Don't it, think it worked. Okay. <laughs> the kicker is it is broken, and the owner has no idea what is wrong with it. Before I dive into the project, I was wondering if you had any tips or have run across any Area 51 repairs. I am excited to take on the project, but was hoping for some input before I jump into it. Also, from your experience, how much would you pay for a broken arcade cabinet? I also want to make sure I am not overpaying for something that could be a lost cause. I plan on listening to the podcast in episode 19 where you actually talk about Area 51, but wanted to reach out as well. I would appreciate any and all advice. Thanks, Daniel. So, Tim, we have Daniel here who is looking to jump into deep water (laughs) all of a sudden with an Area 51 game that's broken. So, Tim, before he dives into this project, any tips? or anything like that that you have run across for Area 51 cabinets. Now, Tim, obviously we have talked a lot about Area 51 in the past because it's a pretty popular game. Right. There were a ton of them out there. It was a conversion game, Tim, so a lot of different cabinets got converted to Area 51s. There are dedicated Area 51s as well, mm-hmm. so I don't know what you're looking at there, if it's a dedicated versus a conversion of some sort. But, uh, Tim, we have a ton of different responses in our podcast episodes, in our live show episodes, and, Tim, in the question and answer database, right? Right. So if you go to arcaderepairtips.com slash questions, you can actually search our database of, I think it's over 1,500 questions that we've answered. And if you just do a search for Area 51, you'll find a lot of different times where we answer people's questions concerning Area 51 issues. Now, Tim, troubleshooting light gun issues like we talked about earlier with the um, Jurassic Park is another great video if you're having light gun right. issues with your Area 51. Tim's going to grab the police trainer here with the mm-hmm. <laughs> with the light gun. So, Well, one interesting thing, if you'll go back and look at his question carefully, he says that the kicker is broken. The kicker. Okay. Uh, to me, that is not a broken game. Right. That is, but it, but it does help when the kicker... Or the recoil on the gun, you know, where it makes the knocking sound. Knock, right. knock, knock. Right. If, if hey, that's hey, be careful where you're pointing that thing. If that's, right all, our audience. if that's anyway. all that's broken, that is not a hard repair at all. Um, if In fact, inside of here is a little coil. It's like a pinball coil. And uh, it fires, and as it does, the magnetism moves up, and it hits a plate up here, and it makes that knocking sound. Knock, knock, knock. So a lot of times... Um, I want to say even from HAP or something, that's like a $10, $15, $20 part at the most. So just replace that coil, check the wiring to it. See, it says the kicker is broken. So um, I wouldn't really call that a broken game, just the kicker inside. It's just a part up inside of your gun that is broken. Now that part, technically you don't need the kicker to play the game. You don't even need recoil. it. You don't right. need the recoil It makes it a little more fun, and probably what he remembers when he went to the arcade and played it 
and it's that knock knock sound is really cool but a lot of times it's just a broken wire off of that uh solenoid up that's inside of there so i would check that first um going so i don't know if i would technically call this a broken game it's not working a hundred percent but i wouldn't know if i would call it broken so sure. Going to the second part of his question is, he asked about how much should we pay for broken games. And I would generally say we treat them just, it is what it is. If it won't come on at all, treat it like it's a piece of wood. Exactly. Uh, and what's a piece of wood with some artwork worth to you? Well, maybe 50 to to $100. If it's just the kicker, which is a 10 to $20 part, and everything else is working on there. You've got a pretty good working game. You're, you've got a working game. Technically. Yeah, you technically have a working game, uh, and you just want it to be a little bit more uh, to your liking. Then you're, you know, you're talking about two or three hundred dollars easily. Um, and maybe, and really, to be honest with you, if it's AK Area Fifty One, probably five hundred or more. Right, because I mean, you're not talking a very expensive repair. Right. <coughs> Although you. I have used that as bargaining tools when right, exactly. when you are negotiating a price, it's kind of like buying a used car. You do want to kick the tires and make sure everything is working, uh, as opposed to one that's a hundred percent working, both kickers and stuff. It should cost less, so I would take that in consideration when I'm negotiating the price. But um, you know, it, it, it all depends on what what's a game value to you. There are games when. That we will go and we will spend a little bit more bit more money on, even if they're not working, because you just don't find them anywhere. Or they're, they're worth a lot. When yeah. You do. Like, I mean, do, a, yeah. like right. a Donkey Kong. A or Donkey something. Kong, right, exactly. Or, I mean, something. A Tron or a something. A lot of vector games now. Right. I mean, even, like, let's say somebody calls and the board, yeah, the board's not working, but the vector monitor comes on, or the vector right. monitor is doing squiggly weird lines or something like that. And we hear I mean, it playing. But we hear it playing, we know it's playing, then, you know, it's like, mm, that, I mean, because, you know, those games are worth a lot now. So. But always just make sure that the components are there. Look inside the cabinet. Make sure everything is there. We have games that uh, didn't come on and play at all. We thought, oh, it's probably just Fuse. No, it wasn't just a Fuse. It was uh, missing a PC. It was missing a monitor chassis and a power supply. You know, so uh, pretty much was a big boat anchor. But, it was a piece of wood at that point. Right, it was a piece of wood. Uh, so uh, having said that, you know, those are some ways that we determine... And then a lot of it's a, the area that you're in, the market that you're in, and by all means, you know, if they're wanting to sell it, not probably, they're not have a ton of buyers um, that are wanting to collect these things, so uh, use that to your advantage, or know that if you are in an area where there are a ton of buyers, you might better jump on it before somebody else does. Absolutely. So let me go ahead and throw this up here, Tim, real quick. So we've covered a lot about Area 51 in previous podcasts and live show episodes. Our post and video on troubleshooting light gun issues may help you as well. Also do a search for Area 51, the question and answer database at arcaderepairtips.com slash questions. As for pricing on Broken Arcade Cat, it depends on what we think is wrong with it and how much we like the game. We will usually pay somewhere around 100 to $300 for a broken game, sometimes 50 uh, right. depending on what it is. But unless that game is one that we know will bring good money once it's repaired. So like, let's say... Like Tim mentioned, it's something like a a vector type game, a Donkey Kong, a Tron, something like that that you know it's like once it's repaired, it's going to bring top dollar. Well, we may pay a, little, pay a little bit more for that. And you know, Michael gives the example of an elemental disc of Tron, <laughs> right? right? It's like somebody calls you up, hey, I got this uh, elemental disc or elemental environmental, right? Environmental. Yeah. You see, he put elemental environmental disc of Tron. Um, obviously, you're going to pay a lot more for that not working than you would his example, Universal Ladybug cocktail. Or something right. like that, exactly. So, 
you know, that's that's a lot of difference there. So it really depends on, and like Tim mentioned, what does the game, what's the game to you? Now, one thing we would mention is that you mentioned the kicker's not working, but the quality of the wood is really important. So is it starting to flake? Is it got water damage? Is it peel? Is artwork peeling off? Like that kind of stuff that greatly devalues a cabinet, in my personal opinion. If I can't move it directly into my house without it getting stuff all over the floor, right. then... <laughs> Shedding the whole way. Exactly. Then it's not worth me keeping, is my personal opinion. And so, I mean, it really depends on the, the condition of the wood and the cabinet. I mean, if it's in really rough shape, it may not be worth as much and that's something i definitely would use to my advantage as a buyer uh like tim mentioned anything that you see that you don't think is perfect you know we kind of mention that to the seller and say hey you know uh, this thing this wood is real uh you know it looks like it got wet down here it's all damaged and then you know the kicker's not working um but like i said if the wood's damaged that bad you may not want it anyway so right. it really depends on you and what you feel like it's worth to you so it's really what it comes down to so hopefully answers your question, Daniel. Please keep us updated on whether you get it. And uh, if you end up fixing the kicker or whatever you end up doing with it, or if you need additional help with that, please let us know. We'll be happy to help you out. Okay, Tim, we're going to knock out some questions from YouTube. Okay. Knock them out. You All know right. what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about just, you know, flat on the ground. Okay. Muhammad Ali style. So here we go real quick. Jason says, my game elf volume knob stopped working. Can't figure it out. Any ideas? Okay. Hold. Chris says, so I bought a SIGA hang-on upright system, and the neck board is fine, but the pins, when I slide it onto the yoke, are bent. Can I bend them back and reattach or buy another monitor or yoke? And then Lee says, I have a Miss Pac-Man cocktail arcade, and I'm trying to find either a replacement power plug or how to wire in a cord. Can you help me? So, Tim, we've got three different issues here. we got Jason. Okay, volume knob on his game elf's not working. we got Chris who wonders about the pins on his yoke and whether or not he can bend them back. And we've got Lee, who's got a Miss Pac-Man cocktail that really needs a power plug. Tim, let's take these one by one. What would you recommend for Jason on his volume knob on his game elf board? Well, the first thing I would do is touch up the solder on the back of the potentiometer that controls the volume on the board. And are you? sometimes you have to replace it completely. But are you really sure that the volume is working like on other games sure. and stuff? So make sure that it's not your speakers or wiring or part of your cabinet. Okay, then we have Chris. He bent some of the pins on the neck of his tube, Tim. What does he need to do? Well, I don't know because we've never done this before. Oh, right? <laughs> Anybody that's ever pulled off a chassis has bent a pin. Those neck boards. And, uh, yes. And, in fact, um, you know the, the needle nose pliers with the really skinny, long needles on them. We like to use those because those work really good. You just have to be super careful because if you break one, it's done. You might as well New get tube. rid of it. Right. Yeah. So be careful. But yes, you can. And I do prefer. I have a very thin, small pair of needle nose, a pair of tweezers, or something that you can get in there. Don't be too rough, but you can bend those back. And then we had Lee. He needed a replacement power cord for his Miss Pac-Man cocktail. Well, you can just pick up one of those at Lowe's or somewhere. Um, but there are. Um, distributors that sell uh, cords and stuff, and they're pretty reasonable and cheap. There you go. And boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. Three knocked out just like that. So let's go ahead and throw it up here real quick, Tim. Jason, might try touching up the solder on the potentiometer on that game elf board that controls the volume, but you may need to replace the pot entirely, like you mentioned, Tim. Chris, yes, you can bend back those pins on the neck of the tube, but you'll want to be very careful. If you break one, you're going to have to probably find a new tube. 
Right? Yep. There you go. It's not worth it. Lee, you can use the off-the-shelf replacement cord from a home improvement store. Just make sure it includes the ground prong. And, Tim, we have a link to one. That's a Stanley 9-foot one. But, Tim, the cool things about the ones at home improvement stores is that they're usually made for appliances and for power tools. Right. And so they usually have, they will usually support a high enough amperage that it will have no problem with your game. No problem. Just make sure you get one with a ground prong. Mm-hmm. So, But, I mean, it should be easy, especially on a Miss Pet cocktail, Tim, because I believe the Miss Pet cocktail has the filter on it. Like the little filter, yes. AC filter. So all you have to do is hook up the wires to the AC filter. There should be the prongs already there. Right. And you just desar the ones that are there, solder on the new ones, and you're in shape. So Simple. Boom. We knocked out three just like that. Right. How come we can knock out the other ones like that? <laughs> Not as short, right? Yeah. Short and sweet. We like those. But thank you guys all for sending in your questions on our YouTube pages. Those all come from the comment sections, Tim, of the various videos that we have on YouTube. Okay. So there we go. Uh, let us go back here real quick. Um, YouTube Punk says, The back bottom of our sound scope is a bit crunched. It looks like MDF. Any way to patch or repair that? Yeah, I mean, you can re- repair it. We, If you watch our video, we use Bondo and stuff. But once it Wood really... Harder, people really like that stuff, too. Yeah, but most of the time, once that, that MDF, once it gets wet, it's just worthless. And it just flakes and stuff. So what we've had to do is actually cut the cabinet... Um, man, I wish. Uh, does Jeff have links where he did the, the flood restore the on flood the flood restore on the yeah, Batman? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll link to that in the show notes or something. Um, but you know, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta bite the bullet, go as high as you can where the wood is really good, and replace it. Uh, and then you can either paint and bondo over everything or laminate over that. But um, it can be t- be tricky. Uh, we haven't had much luck. Once that stuff is wet and starts flaking, you just might as well cut it out or uh, redo the whole bottom. Absolutely. So, Oh, okay. We have a couple of highs here, Tim. We got uh, Silly Sausage says, hey, guys, cheers from California. Hello. So it is 4.33 in California, right? 4.33 local time. So awesome. And then we have Joe is here, Joe Rivera. Hey, guys. You guys rock. Miss you guys. Miss you too, Joe. Always glad to have you here. Liking the baby pictures. Yeah, didn't know you could Bondo MDF, YouTube Punk says. You can. It's just like I said, it, it, it helps and, and will, but it once that stuff starts flaking, it's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, your best your best bet is just to cut it out and replace it. Most of the time. There you go. So, and we're going to get to YouTube Punk. He actually sent a Twitter question here in a bit, Tim. We're about to get okay. to that. But first things first here, we got one from Phil. Phil says, hello, I just bought a 1980 Midway Pac-Man machine and the game is playing blind. I replaced the whole monitor and the screen still will not show anything. I am now guessing the monitor board is what's causing the problem. I've attached some pictures of the board because some spots look a little burnt, but I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I'm, let's see. I'm sure you guys can take a look and let me know what you think the problem is. Thanks, Phil. I think we're missing a verb there or something. Okay. Uh, but there you go. So here's the pictures here, Tim. Now, Tim, I look at this and it is like instantly recognizable and it's identifiable. It's a GO7. <laughs> it's a GO7 right off the bat, mm-hmm. right? So um, these are the pictures that Phil sent. And he actually sent in a couple of more, Tim, that showed some burnt spots on the board. Okay. But here's the deal. It's kind of hard. I mean, we can look at where the burnt spots are. But, I mean, if you look at this chassis, Tim, I mean, just looking at it from this, I see a couple of caps there in desperate need of repair. Yes. I mean, if you're looking at this, you know, really close, I mean, there's uh, there's, you know, there's um, one, like, right there, and right. I know they can't see my hands here, but if you look around, you'll see some of these caps need yep. need some really big help. In other mm-hmm. words, they need to be replaced entirely. So, Tim, we have Phil here, um, and now he's saying it's playing blind, okay? But, and then he says that he's, but he also says that he replaced the whole monitor, and it still won't show anything. 
Okay. Okay, so that kind of is contradictory right. to me. I mean, obviously, like we talked about earlier, there's a chance that the playing blind could be the board. It's rare, but right. it happens. So, but he still thinks it's the monitor because he sent us the monitor picks too. Uh-huh. So what do you think is going on with this game? That's what I'm asking. Well, if we look at it carefully, the fact that you said the whole monitor screen will not work or show anything. And then you it, replaced it. Yeah. So... It may not nec- maybe not necessarily mean playing blind, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, if it won't come up at all, there could be a power issue. There could be something else going on. Uh, there's also fuses that go to your monitor and things like that. So, um, Obviously, you have a GO7. We should mention yes. that. So you have an Electro Home GO7 monitor that's in there. Uh, Tim, there are fuses on the monitor itself, but it looks like this monitor probably needs a rebuild. Yeah, uh, just looking at it. it looks oh, like it definitely, does, it definitely does. But the fact he said he replaced the monitor, what'd you replace it with? We don't right. have a picture of that. Uh, did you hook it up correctly? You know, if it's not hooked up, it a Geo Seven wires up a little different than another type of monitor. So, like a forty six hundred or something's going to wire up different. So you've got to make sure that it's wired up correctly with the game that you have. Exactly, and that's what it comes down to. And Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here real quick because I have. We, it's going to roll into your tech tip for this one. Right. But the fact that you said in your description that the whole monitor and screen will not show anything makes us wonder if it's really a monitor issue. I mean, you know, it may not be. Make sure that your game is actually playing blind. I mean, he replaced the screen, still didn't get anything, Tim. Right. Are we actually playing blind? Do we actually hear some sound? You'll get to talk about that here in a second. But this means that you can hear the game playing, but you get no picture on the monitor. With that said, Tim, it looks like you have an Electro Home GO7 monitor. If it won't come on at all, let's check the fuses. There's two fuses on the board as well as the voltage on resistor R1. Okay, it's hard to tell what's wrong just from the pics, um, but Tim, it really looks like it might be time for a rebuild. Yeah, so that means yeah, new cap cap kit, flyback, um, you know, hot like the whole nine. Like, you know, replace everything, basically. It's in pretty rough shape just from the pictures you sent us. But when he says he replaced it with a different monitor, was that from a working game? You know, where did this monitor come from? Was it brand new, off the shelf? So there's a few unanswered questions there. Phil, if you wouldn't mind following up with us about that, um, maybe that would help us a little bit more. And he says that it's playing blind, Tim, but he doesn't mention anything about hearing the sounds or anything like that. And so I thought that this would be a good opportunity for you to tell us more about what the difference is between playing blind and not playing at all. So that's going to be Tim's tech tip for this month. And Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw it up here and let you take it away. Yeah, because while a lot of our listeners know exactly what we're talking about, a lot of newbies or people that may not be understanding, or maybe it's just a lingo problem, but how do you know the difference between playing blind and not playing at all? Where the shared systems, the screen is blank, there's no picture. The marquee light may come on. Corridor lights may come on. So there's signs of life, but nobody's home still. You know, it's like it's kind of like the porch light is on, but he's knocking and knocking. Nobody's answering the door. Uh, symptoms of playing blind: the cabinet music and sounds from the game. Uh, when you coin it up, you hear the sound of a coin starting. Uh, if it's an old Atari game, maybe the cone lights are flashing, telling you to start the game. So it actually is like you're playing it. But literally, it's almost as if you're playing it with your eyes closed. That's why we say playing blind. You're there, but you can't see anything going on. But everything else seems to be working. It's taking money. It's um, starting. Uh, game sounds. You can actually hear play going on. 
That's what we mean by plain blind. Now, symptoms are not plain of all, of course. There's no sounds. There's nothing coming from the game of all. The monitor may come on or, uh, or on at power up or something, but it just doesn't have... There's nothing else happening. There's no sound. There's no nothing yeah, at all. Yeah, and I think, like, so you may see the monitor, like, flash when it right, first comes on. Right, just for a second. Right, but you don't see anything on the screen, right? right? No picture. And a lot of times, guys, if you can turn, if it's your monitor, uh, you can turn the brightness up, nothing will, will affect it. But a lot of times, if it's your board or something, you can turn the monitor brightness up, and the monitor will get very white. You get those or, raster lines, some yeah, raster lines those, like we talked about, uh-huh. talk about. Those type of things will happen. But if it's just dead, you know, those things won't happen at all. And a lot of times, that's where you always start at power and you start following the power through your game, even from your wall. You know, we've had a game where we thought it was a game problem and it ended up being a wall socket problem. So a lot of things can happen. But I hope we maybe have cleared up a little bit of confusion when we say a game is playing blind. It actually is playing you just can't see it. Right. And not playing at all. Right. So you're playing with no power. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, nothing's happening kind of thing. But, Tim, you know, a lot of times I think people confuse playing blind with marquee lights on, coin door, li- coin door lights are on. They confuse that with playing blind. Right. But just because your marquee light is on, your coin door lights are on, doesn't right. mean that you're playing blind. You could be getting AC power but not the DC power that you need. Correct. And that's exactly. why your lights and stuff are working. So that game is still not, not playing at all. Exactly. So it's just lighting up. So that's something for Phil, Tim, just as a reminder. And for anybody else who's kind of new to the hobby, Tim, to know the difference between playing blind and not playing at all. Thank you for giving us your insight this month on that. Now, Tim, I have one more question here. We're going to sneak in before the discussion. It's actually YouTube Punk's question. I want to thank him because he just donated 10 bucks. All right. He used that dollar sign icon down there. We want to thank you, YouTube Punk, for that. But we do have your question from Twitter, and I was going to go ahead and throw this up here real quick. Does Tim, Jonathan, or anyone else on Team Art have any experience with Silent Scope? I just picked up a Silent Scope 1 cabinet with a Silent Scope 3 kit. It needs a cap kit. Uh, it says it's a 7500. A new team molding. Some of the bottom edges are roughed and crushed. It uh, looks like MDF, not plywood. So I'm not sure how to repair that or touch it up, touch up the paint vinyl. Also, I did read the three or four questions from the question answer database. It appears the RTC chip issue only impacts... Uh, Sunscope 1, 2, and not 3. However, Sunscope 3 had its own newer cab, totally different from 1 and 2, so I'm not 100% sure if Sunscope 3 is exempt from potential RTC issues or not. Uh, I, Karumba, any help is appreciated. So, Tim, uh, he talks about it needs a cap kit and stuff like this, but we want to congratulate you two, Punk, Retro Amigo, for getting a Sunscope, a yeah. arcade game. It's always cool fun game. to do that. So, uh, and Tim, you talked a little bit about the wood stuff. Do you want to elaborate any more on that or pretty much? No, I think we hit, we hit that a little bit. Of course, we, you know, sometimes um, YouTube Pump, one thing that we have done before is just to go ahead and paint over that MDF, and that will at least bond some of it together and keep it from flaking so bad. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just a good primer will help. Uh, but if it sometimes once it gets wet and crushed and starts bending and you know just looks horrible, a lot of times you just got to cut that part off. Absolutely. And then Tim, do you know what he's talking about with this uh, the the, T, the RTC chip issue? Has to do with um, kind of like a, a 
uh, timer chip on the board. Uh-huh. And we've seen this with Silent Scope 1 and 2. And the good news is I do not think it affects Silent Scope 3. I right. can't find anything about it with Silent Scope 3. So it has to do with a little time clock, a timer clock that's on the board. And when it gets Just out of like sync... Fix it, exactly. It, it, when it gets out of sync, it, it uh, screws everything up. But I don't think Silent Scope 3 has it. So you don't have to worry about that. And I, there's no upgrade kits, so I'm pretty sure it's a separate board altogether. So you shouldn't have the RTC issues that you see in the earlier versions of Silent Scope. That's the good news. Uh, but if you do experience anything like that, let us know so we can help you out with it. So, Cool? Yep. Awesome. So thanks again for the donation. It says, thanks for answering my questions, guys. Happy Friday Eve. Hopefully tomorrow's a quiet read-only Friday for everyone. And there you <laughs> do. <laughs> we will wish everybody read-only Friday. Read-only Friday. I want to remember that. Yeah. So um, James says, uh, incorrect. Playing blind is any arcade being played by Helen Keller. Oh, okay. There you go, Tim. So, uh, and uh, let's see. Michael says, just have to play by intuition. Sense of smell. That's right. <laughs> the, the old Tommy bit, right? It really helps. So, Okay. Okay, I think we're caught up. Are yep. we good? Cool. Okay, so we, it's time to get into some discussion, guys. We have a lot of great news stories for this month, I guess we should say. So the first one here, Tim, is really exciting because I think we've talked about this a lot. But it seems to be something that, obviously, family entertainment centers have been shying away from. But that is pinball. Right. Right? And so, Tim, we had two separate stories this month that Dave & Buster's is trying out the Multimorphic P3 platform as well as the Pinball FX2 platform on location at just two of their locations as a test run, okay? And so the P3s are at the Austin, one of the Austin, Texas locations, and the Pinball FX2 cabinet is at a Torrance, California location. Um, now, the Multimorphic setup is a two setup, Tim, so they have two of them set up side by side to play Heads Up, which okay. is a competitive Heads Up game. So, Tim, what do you think about, well, maybe I shouldn't say that because... This has to do with our arcade debate segment for tonight, right? Okay. So, obviously, Tim, we have these pinball machines on test. So, the debate tonight is, will Dave & Buster's take these types of games company-wide? Now, Tim, I will say off, up front, these are not traditional pinball machines. Right. By any means. Neither one of these machines is what we consider a traditional pinball machine. Multimorphic, the P3 platform, is close. Right. It's kind of it, what pinball has evolved into, though. Something right. newer. Right. Is this going to be profitable and... Or are they going to expand? Exactly. So that is our debate segment for tonight, guys. That is the question. I'll throw it up here. Will Dave & Buster's roll out these pinball machines, quote-unquote pinball machines, to other locations? Yeah, and Arcade Heroes equals Adam Pratt. That is correct. So we want to thank Adam for all of his hard work on Arcade Heroes. If you haven't been to Arcade Heroes, let me let me back up here. If you haven't been to ArcadeHeroes.com, you should go there because Adam does excellent work covering the arcade industry. Better than anybody else, by far. And he owns an arcade. Which is always cool. And Tim's getting a call. No, yeah. no alarm. Oh, there alarm. You. Must be time to wake up. <laughs> there you go. So, oh, 6.45 already? Okay, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, that. Tim, this is our debate segment for tonight. Will Dave & Buster's roll out these quote-unquote pinball machines to their other locations, Tim? So let us go ahead and get in our respective boxes. There we go. Pinball machine trial at Dave & Buster's. Will they expand it? So, <clears throat> okay, Tim, we'll do a quick reset here, and then we will continue on with our arcade debate. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arcade Debate segment for this evening. Tonight, Tim, Dave & Buster's has recently put two pinball-style machines out on location for test. They put out the Multimorphic P3 machines at a location in Austin, Texas, and they put out the Pinball FX2 cabinets at a location in Torrance, California. So the big debate question tonight is, are they going to expand these nationwide? Will they roll these machines into other locations? So, Tim, with that in mind... What do you think? What do you say? Will Dave & Buster's roll out these pinball machines, if you will, to other locations? 
I don't think they will, John. And um, I think there's a multitude of reasons, although we would like for them to, I just don't think it's going to happen. Okay, well, Tim, let's go ahead. I will take the opposite of you, of course. I will say that they will roll them out to various locations, but why don't you give me some of your reasons why you think they will not? Well, obviously, there's not a lot of pinball games at, at uh, Dave & Buster's, and there there are some, but there's a reason why there's not, because they haven't been profitable in years. As much as we like to pump pinball, as much as we like to, they're expensive machine for the money that you get back in them. And so Dave & Buster's is in it. They're not a arcade collectors. They are money makers. And just as an operator from my standpoint, I don't care about... I only thing I care about the games at the end of my week is that they made money and that they didn't cause a lot of issues. Now, I'm hoping that these uh, games don't require as much maintenance and maybe that will help... Do you think that that's going to help, John, the fact that they are a little more maintenance? Um, that is exactly that is exactly why I took this side, Tim. It's because I think that both of these machines, I put pinball machines in quotes. They are both pinball machines, but not in the traditional sense. Tim, we've covered the P3 platform. We've talked to Jerry quite a bit. He's a very intelligent guy, the guy who uh, works on the P3 platform along with the other people that he has working for his company, Tim. And we know that the P3 is a modular platform, which means that if there's an issue with something, the tech doesn't just fix it right there at the game. He can take that module out and then send it to Multimorphic, pop another one in, and he's ready to go. So literally, a Dave Buster's technician, they don't have to know how to solder on these things. Even if different drop targets or ramps wear out, they just drop in another module in place they send the other one off to multimorphic and they're good to go so from that perspective way easier to repair than traditional pinball machines with the pinball fx2 machine tim totally video game right there's really nothing physical about it it's all a video game it's a long screen on the bottom it's a screen at the top it's no different than any other redemption piece that you would have nowadays with the lcd screens so these two machines if pinball was ever going to make it into dave and busters or different family entertainment centers i think these two platforms are the perfect platforms and i could definitely see them taking either one of these maybe both maybe maybe the pinball fx more just because it's a little bit less tech uh, centric, but um, both of them going nationwide with this. Tim, what else do you have for me? Well, that could actually scare off. In other words, they know what a traditional pinball game looks like, and probably some of their techs have worked on them. Now you're going to throw this futuristic-looking pinball machine, which they're not even quite sure what it is. So I don't know. It may just take some time. I hope that over time things will change, but I think in the near future they're probably going to sit on these a while and see how profitable they are and and what the long-term is for them, how much they are going to have to spend on repairs. Yeah, and you see, Tim, I guess that is part of it, but you got to remember, like I said, I think both of these platforms have made, have made repair easier. The Pinball FX2, Tim, there are redemption pieces that are more complicated to work on than that Pinball FX2 cabinet, I can guarantee you. And the modularity of the P3 platform lends itself to this kind of atmosphere, Tim. And if we're going to introduce a new generation to pinball, if that's what we're going to do, then I think it has to be able to find a way into these redemption-centric family entertainment centers like Dave & Buster's. And so I'm hoping, if nothing else, that at least one of these things can kind of break through and give kids the opportunity to play pinball at a, a family entertainment center near them. Tim, what else do you have for me? Well, the only thing that's working in your side, Jonathan, is that they are too very far away. They, they did try one in California, which surprised me that it wasn't just a one test store, so they did do it in two. So hopefully if they're both good, they'll spread them to more. I just think that it's going to take a while for uh, a big company like Dave & Buster's to really make that change. We'll soon see. But here's the deal, Tim. You know they're open to the change because they're out on test. 
They're yeah. open to the change. And with that in mind, I think, you know, Dave & Buster's is going to buy whatever brings people. So if you're interested in having pinball at Family Entertainment Center, Tim, you should go buy one of these locations and play those games because it's the only way that Dave & Buster's is going to take these things nationwide. So if you're in the Austin, Texas area, then go buy and play those games. If you're in the Torrance, California area, go buy and play that Pinball FX2 machine and just have a ball, Tim. Tim, heads up on the P3 platform is amazingly fun. And Tim, you know what else is great about the P3 platform? Multiple games. You get tired of heads up, you change it out with Cosmic Kart Racing. You get tired of Cosmic Kart Racing, you change it out for Lexi Lightspeed. You know what I'm saying? So from an operator's perspective, it may be more expensive than a traditional redemption piece, but you're going to get a lot of use out of that cabinet with all of the different games that it can play. Tim, I'll give you the last word. Let's hope so, John, but you're right. The one thing that's going to matter is the amount of play. So if you're listening to this and you support these, which you should, any arcade and pinball enthusiast should support uh, these type of games, getting you're going to have to go and play them. If you don't go and play them, then don't look back and say they should have kept them. It's kind of like when it's kind of like when you, you got to vote. Yeah, you got to vote. If you mm-hmm. don't vote, you can't complain. If you right. don't go buy, play these games. If you want to see pinball and family entertainment centers like Dave and Buster's, then you need to go buy, play these games if they're in your area. Thank you, Tim, so much for tonight. And if you're watching this, please let us know your opinion as well. Drop us a line here on Facebook or Twitter or however you're watching this on YouTube, and let us know what you think. Will Dave and Buster's roll out one of these um, pinball machines to all of their other locations? That is the arcade debate segment for this evening. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Okay, Tim. Think right. we're done. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. So, oh, got to get out of the squares. <laughs> okay, I feel a lot better. Okay, let's see what we have here in so the live in. chat. Yeah, exactly. You feel so boxed in. So, I feel like a square. Michael says, I love classic pinball table, but it is a PETA to keep going. I had to repair a pop bumper just this week. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about the P3, Tim. Right. You repair a pop bumper, you take the module out, and you could fix it. But if you ship it back to, to Multimorphic, they'll, they'll fix it. it. And you can keep an extra one on your shelf if you're right. a tech. Makes it real easy. Uh, let's see. Michael says, That said, the repair parts cost me $7, and I do play my table 10 times as much as my main cabinet or consoles combined. Yep. Yeah. Pinball, there's something about the physicality of pinball. And Tim, it doesn't apply as much to the Pinball FX machine. But with the Multimorphic, the Multimorphic is a, tra- is a traditional pinball machine with a very savvy tech slant. Is what mm-hmm. it is. I mean, it has a really cool interactive little screen and everything like that. And so while it has all the techie stuff in it, it's still traditional pinball at its core, which makes the P3 a very appealing platform, I think, for this kind of application. Uh, James says, if you want to introduce younger audiences to pinball, uh, better theming. How about a Nickelodeon pinball or Pokemon Monsters Beatles doesn't make the young kids jump? The problem is that the young kids don't have the money. Right. To buy a pinball machine. And the people who are buying pinball yeah, machines, Monsters Beatles doesn't. And work. that's probably a point I should have brought up that pinball really has become more of a home collector yes. thing. Uh, and they like it, and it's good, and that's where that's how they're surviving. They're not surviving because they're in every arcade. They're surviving because they're in a lot more homes these days, and people are buying them. And probably in a few years, a pinball tech is going to be a really good job, especially in a bigger city. Absolutely. Um, but, especially one that goes in homes. Um, but it is neat that Dave and Buster's at least willing to step out and try them. Right. I talked to my boss a lot about a pinball machine. I about got him convinced, but he really doesn't, he's, he doesn't understand. He needs to see the P3 and work and the multimorphic which i would like for us to get one hopefully we will one day yeah and i think tim the benefit of multimorphic for somebody like you is that you need to explain to them that it's a platform it's not just one right. game. that's why i told him how much it costs but it the second game costs a lot cheaper exactly. the third game costs a lot cheaper and when i explained showed him prices of new stern games it all of a sudden became a little bit more appealing so you buy three kits for the for the p3 
it's going to be cheaper than buying three pinball machines. Yeah. But you have one machine that you can change out for whatever you want. So every time people come in, they're trying something new. Right. And then on top of that, there are games that use those modules also. Right. So like the um, what's the the um, the cannon game, Tim? Uh, like Blast Away or something mm-hmm. like that, or something like, like Ships Ahoy or yeah. whatever it is. But um, where you know you do that, there's other games that play on that same on that same backfield. Right. So that you can use. And so same thing with Lexi Lightspeed, same thing with Cosmic Kart Racing. And so um, they're all fun to play, and you should definitely try them out if you're ever at a convention you see the P3 platform. Yeah, we love it. I hope that people go play them. Absolutely. So, okay, well, Tim, I think that about does it. Let's go ahead and get to the rest of our news stories. Um, Millstar Electronics has 28 minutes left. I think that's till the NFL. Okay. <laughs> we need to get this moving. All right. Move it, guys. Okay, here we well, go. Well, this next story is really interesting. Yeah, so uh, Tim... We got a lot of uh, a lot of feedback on this. All right. Man wearing TV on head caught on camera leaving old TVs on Virginia front porches. Residents living in a Virginia neighborhood woke up to find free televisions on their doorsteps. It sounds like a great gift until you see the older box sets left at the homes. Doorbell cameras captured the man with a TV set over his head, laying an older set down on someone's front porch and just walking off. Outdated boxes were found at more than 50 homes. Film of the letter. Okay. So there we go. So Tim, we have a picture of this for the, of this guy uh, with a TV helmet, I guess you could say, on okay. his head, and then dropping a CRT television. And Tim, I had a lot of my friends that say, um, "I wish he would visit my house." And right. so, <laughs> but sure. apparently, they caught this guy, or they're in the process of ca- catching him. He is going to be um, he's going to be brought up on charges for trespassing and illegally dumping trash, and I forget what the other one is. Okay. So um, he will be brought up on charges. Um, I don't know if he's going to get jail time for this um obviously i think it's kind of funny um at the same time you know if you left a tv set on my door i don't know if i think it's so funny but um you know i you know a lot of people are saying he's our hero i understand that um you know if he left a nice 25 non-burned in tube for me i would probably be pretty happy with it as an arcade collector but the vast majority of people no longer want crt sets tim which is which is a shame because on the other side of this lcd that we're looking at tim you'll see a 25 inch crt which i absolutely love so um you know but obviously it's an unwanted present nowadays so this crt fairy or whatever he wants to be named uh, is going to end up probably either having to pay a fine or some short stint in jail or right. anything wrong but uh still the tube fairy you know that was a good one to say <laughs> right. you know stuff like that so um but anyway so uh, if you're in virginia and the crt door uh ends up on your doorstep you don't know, know why, why. <laughs> there we go so and then tim here's another story university of akron alums create till death do us part arcade game in time for wedding day Two University of Akron engineering graduates came up with an amazing way to utilize their skills to make their wedding memorable. During their June wedding in Canton, Dylan and Maggie Fashbaugh unveiled Till Death Do Us Part, a two-player 8-bit arcade game, Tim. And you have to fight ring bears and some other different <laughs> um, uh, other different um, wedding-related enemies. And so, uh, Tim, just a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's just really fun, a good idea, cool concept. Um, somebody uh, somebody else said they had made, like, a Smash Brothers-type game for their wedding where, like, you beat each other up, um, which is kind of fun. Oh, cool. um, who would have thought that wedding-themed games would be a, bus- a business? But apparently, it's a business. And um, in the story, you can actually see the arcade cabinet. They mm-hmm. made an arcade cabinet for it. Wow. Uh, which is pretty cool. Cool thing to have at a reception. You know, so if you're looking, if you're getting married soon and you want something like that you may contact them because it sounds like they may do modifications for different people and stuff like that so just a cool concept fun so michael says need a crt for duck hunt and hogan's alley 
That is exactly why I have my CRT. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have Duck Hunt hooked up to it, and when kids come over, they can play it. But you always have to explain to people, you can't play it unless you got one of these. Right. You know, so it is what it is. Same thing with this police trainer back here. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a CRT, guys. Okay, Tim, we have this last news story here, and it has to do with Pac-Man. A classic arcade game, but with extra horror. Okay. Horror. <laughs> that is it. Here's a variation of Pac-Man with an interesting backstory. The Pac-Man ROM and Tim. This is um. The it has like kind of some weird little ASCII characters in there that make it I'll look a little that. different. It's said to have been taken from a damaged game board, found locked in a safe at an old abandoned arcade. It's been linked to several tragic incidents, and completing the game is said to cause psychological and physiological trauma. Okay. Scary. Right in time for spooky. Halloween. There you go. So um, you can download it if you go to the um. Boingboing.net, it has a link to the actual uh, download for the game. Um, but it is kind of, you know, it's somebody's little spooky take on Pac-Man just in time for Halloween. So, yeah, so if you have, like, a if you have a little, um, like, uh, I guess, multi-cade that you built up mm-hmm. that runs off a PC, you could play this in there and kind of creep people out and stuff like that. So, there you go. There you go. Perfect time, perfect, perfect time right now with, with Halloween coming up. And, Tim, that does it. For the, um, for the regular show, anyway, for the regular live show here. So we do want to remind people that we want your arcade-related videos. You want some free advertising for your YouTube channel. We're looking for people to submit short videos about arcade-related topics. Please send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put a plug-in for your channel so people know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And Tim, we've done this a lot, and so um, you know we get them from time to time. Not all the time, but from time to time. So if you do have some of those, and you'd like for us to put in a plug for you, please send your video over to questions at arcaderpairtips.com, and we'll do it. And then, Tim, let's go over some contact information real quick. We have our general email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. If you put live show in the subject, you'll get it mentioned on the show. That's at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We have our YouTube page, and that's at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. But, Tim, you know what? If you're here, you probably know that. Um, if you're watching this by any other means, you may not. But uh, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. So if you want to leave, if you want to leave a comment on this live show, we will try to cover it on our next live show episode. Podcast. Okay, Tim. I talked to Eric. I actually talked to him, and as you know, they opened an arcade. Right. It was open, and they want to get back to doing podcasts from their arcade how cool him and rusty so um hopefully we'll look forward to seeing some new episodes soon uh but yeah if you want to send an email to them you can send it to podcast at arcade tips.com tell them how much you miss them yeah just be like we miss you guys so they'll so they'll be motivated to do some uh, some more episodes for you guys of course if you're listening to this the audio version of this right now you're on the podcast feed so if you want to hear more of eric and rusty podcast at arcaderepairtips.com send them an email let them know and you can subscribe to the podcast feed on itunes at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com or on stitcher at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com tim we're also on spotify but i haven't linked that over yet so the feed is also on spotify if you're a spotify user like i am okay spotify is fantastic i'm going to put a plug in for them even though we don't get any kind of pay from them because i love spotify best music service ever personal opinion but love it so if you're on spotify you can now find arcade repair tips on spotify cool. so there you go Social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. We want to thank Mark and Louie for all of the great posts that they make there on the Facebook page. And, Tim, a lot of that stuff gets cross-posted to our Twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com as well. 
Tim, did I forget anything? Are we ready to wrap up the regular show here? I think so. We'll get to the live show and get to a football game. Oh, somebody said, uh, YouTube Punk says the after show is the real pre-show. Wow. There you go for okay. the NFL. There we go. So, Tim, what are some of the topics we will be talking about in the after show? Well, we're going to talk about the NFL season starting, how our You're going to talk doing. about how your first outing in your um, in your desert truck, I mean, your, your food truck <laughs> We went. are going to talk a little bit about that and some shows and TVs that, and things that we've been watching uh, and still talking about cutting the cord and different ways that might help you do that. And, of course, we'll be talking NFL, Tim. Yeah. And XFL teams. Because somebody chimed in earlier about XFL teams. We'll be talking about that as well. But uh, remember, if you're listening to the audio version of this on the podcast feed, if you want to tune into the after show, tune into the YouTube video and you'll find it there. Um, Because we only put the main feed on the podcast. Right. uh, The the main audio on the podcast feed, Tim. So if you're listening to this via podcast, make sure that you check out the YouTube video for the after show. Tim, is there anything else before we head on out to the after show and wrap up the regular show here? No, thanks everybody for watching tonight. And by all means, if you can, stick around. Sounds good. Thank you guys for watching. We just so appreciate you being here. Stay tuned for the after show here in about five to ten minutes. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the, the game. game. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the after show or next month. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.